to Nintendo Nostalgia, episode 164. I am your host, Ryan Black, and I am not joined by a co-host this week. That's right, it's just me. So uh, this week, um, it's kind of a special episode for me. Um, 164, I used to have an old screen name called Mike 164, and uh, it was just something that kind of fell fell right in place. Um, the cards just fell in place, and so here I am uh, doing an episode. It's kind of a character spotlight on myself, uh, just giving you guys a bit of my Nintendo nostalgia history, um, and I hope some of the other co-hosts on the show will be able to do an episode like this as well. Um, but first, uh, before we get into uh, my story, um, I'm going to talk about what I am Radical Rexing about. All right, so uh, this week I am Radical Rexing about more Pokemon, of course, because Pokemon Sword and Shield has kind of been my jam lately. Um, but more so than that, um, I am really Radical Rexing about Animal Crossing coming up. Um, I have a little bit of nervousness that I'm not going to like the building crafting mechanic, but um, I am ready to get into an Animal Crossing. Um, I regularly played the uh, New Leaf until I lost my copy somewhere along the way. Um, and so I stopped playing completely. I, w I didn't want to pick up the game again and play New Leaf all over and start a new game and build from scratch again. I was just going to wait for the next Animal Crossing. So I have been waiting for several years now. And I didn't even do any of the, the new, the Welcome Amiibo expansion. I, I haven't touched any of that because um, I lost my copy long before that time. And uh, I'm really excited. They had an Animal Crossing Direct and showed some more stuff off. And they had Amiibo functionality, which was pretty cool. And uh, they're bringing back a lot of the things that I like. Uh, some new characters that I'm excited to, to meet. And uh, just in general, like Animal Crossing has got me really hyped. And I'm, I'm excited to go on dates again with my wife, um, whatever that may be whatever that may look like. Um, and uh, just to dive into that world and start collecting things again, it's it's a high reward for a collector. And uh, I'm definitely sure to try to catch um, all the fish that I can, all the bugs, um, but even more so collecting all the Metroid memorabilia that I can and decorate my room with Metroid. Because um, my town, I um, it I always call all of my towns Chozodia, um, as, after the Chozo of Metroid. And um, I'm going to be, uh, I, I created a, um, a Dodo uh, Airlines uh, flight boarding pass and, and, and passport or what have you on that website. It was kind of cool. Um, and I'm just, I'm really excited. Um, I found it interesting that they're not going to have special hair colors. You have to use your Nook Miles on that to get special hair colors. So my wife's a little upset over that because pink is like the only color that's ever picked. Um, but that's something that we'll have to come, come to uh, terms with. Um, and I'm sure Nook Miles would be great to try to grab and pick up. So, um, and then other than that, um, I did back the wonderful 101 uh, on Kickstarter. So I'm excited to jump into that and um, play the game, give it a proper play. Um, I know before I didn't really give it a chance on the Wii U. I didn't like the controls with the drawing on the screen. Um, and I'm hoping just to play with a traditional controller, I'll actually enjoy it and get it this time. Um, it was kind of like Pikmin meets superheroes meets kind of beautiful Joe-ish. There's like some cool action scenes and stuff. So I'm excited to get in on that Kickstarter. Um, and then uh, there's a couple of the Kickstarters circling around out there. I'm like, oh, I want to jump on on it. But really, you know, I've got my, my hands full with Animal Crossing. And uh, 
they did announce the release date for Wonderful 101, and it's it's well clear of the release date of Animal Crossing. So I'm going to be just playing a lot of Animal Crossing lately. That's probably what my next few Radical Rex sessions are going to be about, is Animal Crossing. Um, either that or Pokemon leading up to the release. But um, we've got some, some plans to have some friends over that weekend when Animal Crossing comes out. And just have a blast uh, visiting each other's towns and earning money and building things up and having a good old time. So that's what I'm radical rexing about. Okay, so let's get into the topic uh, for this week. Um, the topic is uh, me. <laughs> that sounds weird. Um, but I just wanted to give you guys kind of my history a little bit. Um, nothing too heavy nostalgia on video games specifically. I'll save those for the episodes that they, uh, for those games that they air. So, um, but here we go. This week, I'm going to be getting a little candid um, with my very own character spotlight. Um, you'll get to hear me recount some of my video game history, my journeys as a gamer, and personal struggles. Um, so I hope you uh, enjoy this uh, this journey through my life. Um, now, this will stop probably at about Wii U era, um, past my nostalgia. Um, and, and now, of course, as time goes on, those will become nostalgic too. Um, but this is kind of my uh, journey through uh, early life to uh, to the Wii U days. So uh, here we go. Um, I uh, grew up, cut my teeth on uh, ColecoVision, uh, NES, and television, Atari, PC. Um, my parents weren't shy at all about me playing video games, uh, though they tried to limit me as much as I could because I got pretty hyperactive about video games. <laughs> Uh, he'd show set a Pikachu down in front of me, and I'd flip out for hours. But uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, I mean, I, I started with the ColecoVision and uh, NES. I had an NES at my grandpa's, and an NES at my house, and then the ColecoVision was at my house, um, and television was at my grandparents', and then uh, Atari was at my grandma's, um, and then we, of course, we had a PC, and I played a lot of Firehouse Rescue on that. <laughs> but um, over uh. Over that time, I kind of got my building, like my uh, building my basics on timing and, and button pressing and, and learning how video games worked on these early games. Um, it was a good experience. Um, it helped build me into a better gamer, of course, because those are the building blocks that you always have. Um, video games weren't prevalent anywhere else in my life um, as far as like in school and things like that. Like I know today there's some video game stuff that, that's been going on, like you know esports and everything but back in the day we didn't really have any support for video games so what we would just do um is like you know you got special occasions where you you played at your at your home or at your grandparents they had the cool systems you know that's kind of what we had and sometimes when going over to a friend's house um i know i i learned a lot just from playing uh the sesame street games on nes there was a abc and a one two three game and i also liked where's waldo on nes trying to find waldo and kind of just being able to look at the hidden things and and think for through all of that uh so i had some learning experiences on the nes with that um 
and it was such a good time for me. Like I got to share some time playing ice climbers with my dad, and uh, and I remember playing uh, Carnival a lot. And uh, just there was a game on ColecoVision called Buck Rogers and the Planet of Zoom. It was played off of a cassette tape, believe it or not. Uh, the game played both cassettes and uh, cartridges, and uh, and I also played the original Star Wars arcade um, on ColecoVision. That was pretty cool. As quite obsessed with that when i found out there's an arcade machine that actually had that play like that was so cool to experience it recently in my life when i went to a video game arcade that had that uh man that was that was special that really was um um from there um my uh, grandpa took me over to our local um, buy sell and trade and um and uh, we traded in the uh, nes that my grandpa had and went with a uh, super nintendo um and that was pretty cool. I got uh, uh, Donkey Kong Country with that game. Um, I want to say that the packaging on the box, it may have been like a traded in Super Nintendo, but it still had the Donkey Kong box. Um, they said it didn't come with the game, so I had to pick up that game separately. So I ended up with Donkey Kong Country as my first game. And then um, I later got uh, Super Mario World on there and enjoyed the heck out of both of those games a big nostalgia there um but this was also an era of me going and playing um a lot of rental games um i remember getting rise of the robots which is considered like one of the worst video games of all time uh, definitely the worst fighting game ever created <laughs> it was pretty bad and i thought for forever ever i thought i was bad at fighting games because i was so bad at this rise of the robots game and i just kind of wrote off fighting games is not for me um, that's changed over the years, of course, but that kind of ruined me for fighting games growing up. Um, I'd play a little bit on the quarter machines on the arcades, but that's about it. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, some good experiences, bad experiences. I also got to play some Yoshi's Island, um, and I rented that, and I didn't like it. I couldn't, I get really frustrated when I couldn't get Mario, because he was floating off in, in the distance, and I couldn't reach him, and I didn't understand any of the mechanics at the time. I was too young. Um, I also picked up a uh, Lagoon. Uh, I, I love that game to this day, even though it was it, it kind of scared me, like the music and everything. It was kind of a darker toned game, and I never really got anywhere in the game, but I just absolutely loved it for some reason. Um, and then I got, I rented Super Mario RPG, and uh, I would go in and try to fight the sword guy um, right from the beginning. I didn't understand RPGs at all. Like I just I tried, but I didn't get it. Um, I played uh, Kirby Superstar, and I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, but, you know, I'm still learning a lot in video games during this time, and uh, I would still go to my grandparents. Uh, I think eventually my uh, sorry, my grandma on my dad's side, um, she got an NES, and so I played continued playing NES games there, and that's where I uh, developed my love for uh, Low G-Man and Street Fighter 2010. Um, there were some gems for me. And uh, I played this game, I don't know if it was on her Atari or on her NES, that was like, it was, this is a big mystery to me, I never could figure it out, but there was this bonus that popped up, it was the Hudson B, but it was a collectible you could grab, and it gave you points, but it only ever showed up in one of my playthroughs, and it never showed up again, and that's not much to go on to try and identify a game, it was kind of a platformer, a vertical platformer, um, but as far as that goes, uh, in the family of Hudson Soft, but far farther than that, I have no idea what this game was so if you guys know what it is that'd be cool anyway i digress um my next uh, jump was on uh, christmas i got a game boy pocket it was a black one and i also got uh, donkey kong country 2 i was very specific i wanted donkey kong country 2 um 
or sorry, Donkey Kong Land 2, my bad. Um, and I played the heck out of that. And then I also got Pokemon. And uh, needless to say, that was like my biggest obsession as a kid. Um, it's interesting. Like I get in these Pokemon obsessed moments, but like I don't ever rank it as like my favorite video games. Um, it's interesting to just, just to have that something like the character IP is such a big thing in my life, but the games themselves never really ranked anywhere on my tops. Um, um, I, I kept my Game Boy Color. Um, I never traded that in. Um, well, at least I didn't until I think maybe the Game Boy Advance. Um, I may have upgraded to Game Boy Color. I'm not 100% sure um, if I used my trade-in for that. Um, but I had my Game Boy Color forever with the fat butt. <laughs> at least that's what we said it was. Um, I think I had the... I want to say it was Atomic Purple uh, for my Game Boy Color. Um, that was a pretty cool system. Uh, I played uh, Kirby Tilt and Tumble is like my biggest thing on that game. Uh, the uh, the gyroscope. Uh, playing that in the car was awful. I tried so many times to try to play it in the car. Did not work whatsoever. <laughs> um, I then uh, took a, a trip to my local buy, sell, and trade again um, with my grandpa, and we traded in the Super Nintendo. And um, this was kind of a turning point in my life. Um, I had the option of getting an N64 or a PlayStation 1. And um, I asked them there if uh, the PlayStation 1 played CDs, uh, like audio CDs, and they told me no, which was false. Um, but because they told me no, I ended up going with the Nintendo 64 instead of the PlayStation 1. Um, so that could have been a big turning point in my life where I would have gone like away from Nintendo. But uh, I stuck on the track for Nintendo nostalgia and uh, <laughs> keep going. Um, I had a lot of fun on the N64. I didn't have a lot of games for the N64. I had uh, Mario 64. I had I saved up and I bought, my first game I bought, I think, um, was Pokemon Coliseum 2. Um I'm sorry, Pokemon Stadium 2. Wow. And um, I had uh, Tonic Trouble. I enjoyed that game. It was what I thought was a Rayman ripoff, but lo and behold, Ubisoft actually made the game, so it was kind of a re-skin of Rayman. Um, but I had a lot of fun with that. I got the experience of playing Superman 64. Oh boy, was that awful. <laughs> Flying through rings and stuff. Um, I didn't keep that game for very long, needless to say. Um, and I also had a Virtual Chess 64. <laughs> It was a really bad chess game, but I enjoyed it. I uh, I was big into chess and like 4-H and stuff at that time, so I had a lot of fun with uh, experimenting with all of that. Um, you know, I got the transfer pack for my Pokemon Stadium 2, and I uh, was able to put my gold and silver. I had gold gold version in the game, and and port all that stuff, and and trade back and forth, and that was a really cool experience to have that Pokemon. Uh, there and of course I ever played like N64 games at my friend uh, John Hester's and uh, he had a Sega Genesis and that's where I got a lot of Sega Genesis experience was um, John Hester was uh, his mom was my babysitter through elementary school so we'd always go over to his house and we'd play on the Sega Genesis a lot and then later the 64 um, that was a lot of nostalgic memories there for Nintendo um, and then uh, eventually my uh, grandpa got us uh, Genesis for his house, um, grandpa on my mom's side. So we went there, and uh, me and my sister played a lot of Sega Genesis games. Sonic Spinball was like my biggest one, um, but I also had Sonic the Hedgehog 3, and uh, I remember playing uh, Shaq Fu. I loved that game. <laughs> Don't judge me. <laughs> and um, I, what was it? It was a Barbie game. I don't know. My sister had a Barbie game, and we'd play it together, and I'd try to 
get her hooked on video games through Barbie. It was so fun. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Pac-Man 2 was another one. The New Adventures. That was That's a quirky game if there ever was one made. Um, oh, that was a good time. It really, really was. Um, journeying into my middle school years, um, there was a, uh, a worker that worked for my mom uh, who had a, a couple daughters. And we went over to their house one time, and uh, I got to play Crash Bandicoot on a PlayStation 1 for the first time. That was pretty cool. I had a new uh, enjoyment for a 3D space game, um, and it was different from N64. Again, I didn't feel a big console rivalry, although I felt a little skeptical at the time about there being something other than Nintendo. So I started to have a bit of that Nintendo loyalty coming through there, um, but not enough to make me not want to get a PlayStation 1. So um, shortly thereafter, um, I don't know what means. I, I think I might have traded in my N64 towards a PlayStation 1. I know, sacrilege. <laughs> uh, but I, I played um, I played a lot of Dance Dance Revolution during this time, um, picking up, like, I toned my calf muscles like crazy i just was obsessed with ddr i'd go through so much water when i play i'd just play all day and uh, i'd also play uh, digimon world i really enjoyed that game a lot um, and digital card battle and uh then um as i started to get a little older um in eighth grade i picked up uh i picked up playing uh, final fantasy 8 and just absolutely adored that game it's one of my favorites uh to this day uh, and definitely picked it up on switch when it came out <laughs> Um, but this was also the era of Midnight Madness at my school. Um, I, we've probably heard me, Tom, and Jacob all talk about this, but uh, there was a time where uh, from, like, I want to say, like, eight, seven or eight in the, in the, after, or in the evening, uh, played through straight till midnight, um, just playing video games. We had a whole bunch of, like, projector screens and TV set up. And people brought in their systems. We had tournaments. We played all kinds of games. Uh, had crazy junk food, you know, concession stuff like they had at the concession stands in the high school uh, basketball areas and things like that. And uh, just junk food, energy drinks, and playing video games was such a treasured memory uh, for several years in a row. And uh, kind of that's where I got a lot of playtime in. Um, but aside from uh, Midnight Madness, um, you know, I, I got a chance to uh, show off a lot of my PlayStation 1 stuff, um, but I kind of had a longing for that Nintendo. I didn't have a Nintendo at the time, other than, of course, my Game Boy. I think I still had my Game Boy Color at the time. So um, I didn't have a lot of Nintendo to show off, and uh, Jacob still had his uh, 64, of course, he was playing. And I'd play a youth group and stuff. I'd go and play, like, GoldenEye and, and, and other games like that. Um, I'd go to... Zach Kotlowski's house and uh, play Banjo-Kazooie and uh, Star Wars, um, Shadows of the Empire. Um, had a good time with that. I did not like Mario 64 whatsoever. Um, <laughs> um, but that was kind of that era. Um, you know, GoldenEye, Mario 64, uh, playing PlayStation 1 games. Um, and then what brought me back to Nintendo, I mean, not to say that I was ever absent from Nintendo, but uh, the console that I really jumped back in uh, was the GameCube when that came out. Um, I believe I got it for Christmas that year, uh, shortly after its release. So I didn't have to wait too long for the GameCube. Um, but I really, really loved Luigi's Mansion showing that off. I remember showing off, I think it was either a New Year's party or a Super Bowl party, and I was playing Luigi's Mansion in front of everybody, and it was so cool. The coolest thing. Um, 
<laughs> I have a lot of nostalgic memories from my GameCube. I wish I never would have traded it in, but I did. Uh, the reason I did was because I knew that the Wii had uh, GameCube support, so I didn't need my GameCube anymore. So I thought. <laughs> um, but I did, um, in this time, uh, also pick up uh, Game Boy Advance uh, somewhere in there and because uh, I needed to link my GameCube and my Game Boy Advance. And I ended up playing a lot on my Game Boy Advance um, a little more than I did my GameCube. Um, it was kind of a transitioning period where I went from all console uh, and occasionally handheld. Uh, towards the end there, I got playing WarioWare, um, Mega Micro Games, and uh, uh, various other like Game Boy Advance games like Pokemon, uh, Ruby, Sapphire. I had Sapphire. I didn't like Sapphire that much, uh, but I did play it heavily uh, quite a bit. Um, and just, you know, just the, the Game Boy Advance scene, like Sonic Advance, and just linking that with Sonic Adventure 2 Battle um, and playing those types of games. And uh, Crystal Chronicles was a big thing for GameCube and also the Sonic, I'm sorry, sorry not Sonic, wow, uh, Legend of Zelda, the Four Swords Adventures. You could play that with your Game Boy. Um, that was pretty cool. But it was time that my Game Boy uh, was going through batteries way too fast and I needed an upgrade. And they're coming out with this Game Boy Advanced SP that had rechargeable battery. And you better believe I was all over that backlit. I don't have to worry about the worm light anymore. Like that was my jam. So I picked up a blue uh, Game Boy Advance SP and uh, played the heck out of that thing. Um, I was a little sad though, because I couldn't at that point, I couldn't play Kirby Tilt and Tumble anymore, uh, which I still had that game. It was a, it was a clear sparkly pink cartridge. And uh, because the cartridge slot was upside down, I couldn't play it. That um, made me pretty sad. In fact, Kirby Tilt and Tumble was kind of my informant on like whether I would get a Game Boy Player or not for the GameCube because I couldn't play Kirby Tilt and Tumble on the GameCube, obviously. So I kind of passed it up. It seems so weird that a Kirby game would dictate whether I'd get some device or something. Um, but I ended up going uh, with the the GBASP, even though I'd be leaving behind my... Uh, Kirby Tilt and Tumble. Um, at the time, I had uh, on my Game Boy Advance, I had the e-reader, so I took that over to the Game Boy Advance SP, and it still worked just fine, uh, even with uh, the being inserted in the bottom of the system. Um, but you know, Game Boy Advance link cables were all the rage, so I got to play with many a friend, uh, linking, linking up and playing on the GameCube, and oh, such a good, good time. Um, right around this time, I got heavily into Yu-Gi-Oh! And uh, these are my game-crazy days, um, where I just got to hang out quite a bit with uh, my now friend, good friend Robbie, and we're going to be playing Pokemon later today uh, together. Um, and then played lots of tournaments. I won uh, several uh, different tournaments and things. Um, I got uh, the this Nintendo was trying to rebrand for a bit, and uh, Reggie kind of shot them down, but they wanted to go with this like graffiti logo instead of the traditional Nintendo logo. So their their advertising during that time was "Who are you?" and uh, it showed like various people with like uh, Mario or or something like their heads imposed on their bodies and things. Um, but they had this graffiti like Nintendo uh, logo, and I got these gray hoodies. I won them in the tournaments, and I had three of them that I won, and uh, I'm still actually wearing the one right now. Um, that's uh, one of the originals. It's, you know, falling apart and fraying and everything, but I love this hoodie so much. Like, I'd never get rid of it. Um, there was a thing where I, I got rid of two of them. Um, by got rid of, I mean, I gave them to old girlfriends and never got them back, so. Um, but I always held on to this one, and uh, it was so awesome uh, to have this piece of nostalgia history. I'm gushing over a silly hoodie. 
but um you know those are the game crazy days um with nintendo trying to be edgy and uh not a lot of people uh remember this era um there's, there's also uh you know kind of springboarding into the the ds era um but uh, before we get into the ds i did want to say um in here i got a playstation 2 um it was my early game crazy days i had a playstation 2 and a gamecube and i'd pack them all up i'd take my ddr dance pads and i'd fold them down in the bottom of a big red duffel bag and i'd put my playstation 2 beside it and my gamecube on top of the the ddr mats and uh, I had all the cords in there. My GameCube had a screen on top of it. Um, and I got the cords necessary to hook an AV cable into the side of the screen so I could play my PlayStation 2 on the little screen, too. And we just, any place we had a plug, I'd plug in and we'd break out the dance mats and we'd just play DDR right there on the spot. Um, we would play it outside Game Crazy, um, inside Game Crazy, at the movie theater. Um, we would just play video games anywhere on the go. And that was kind of my first, like, Nintendo Switch, if you will. <laughs> it was a good time. And I'd carry this huge red bag that was super heavy. It had a whole bunch of games in it, of course. Um, I had this, like, these little, like, GameCube sized disc cases. Um, that I kept in like a little round zipper pouch and uh, I'd carry those around and I'd also keep like the PlayStation 2 games as well. I had Tekken Tag Tournament and, uh, you know, the DDR games and I would carry this bag around ever. I would walk miles with this bag on my shoulder. Probably not good for my shoulder or my back, um, but I'd, I'd just i just go everywhere with this thing, and, and that was what I was known for, is my big red bag full of video games that I could play anywhere, any anytime. Um, I was the cool kid. <laughs> <laughs> so um after after that era um i did pick up um a virtual boy my dad brought one home one day randomly he found it at a garage sale and i got to experience that for the first time man my nostalgia was it was great for that you couldn't find the games or the system anywhere but i had one and i played wario and tolero boxer all the time uh, I also had Mario Tennis, which I didn't play very much of, and I didn't appreciate much. Um, but needless to say, I ultimately got a battery pack or a, a wall charger for the Virtual Boy because that thing ate through batteries like mad. Um, I kind of graduated from there. I got the DS when it came out. Um, you know, Metroid Prime First Hunt in two thousand four. That's the demo that came with it, and that's all I had for a while. And I had Game Boy Advance games. And then I had this Metroid Prime First Hunt, which I played obsessively. I wanted everything Metroid about it. I love Metroid Prime and the idea of Metroid coming to a handheld system on DS. The fact that the DS could even handle this was just mind-blowing. Like, I absolutely love this little demo game. It was, there was nothing to it. Absolutely nothing. There weren't even Metroids in it. They had mock droids. But I just adored it so much. And uh, the touching is good. Uh, branding that went, went along with that and all the games that I eventually got more DS games. I got completely obsessed with this game. Um, it was called uh, Ping Pals. Uh, yes, you can judge me for that one. Um, it was a game where you kind of just dressed up your av avatar. It was kind of before I got into Animal Crossing. Like that was my avatar like dressing game. And uh, you put you'd chat with friends or you could chat with the computer and you put in certain keywords and you get money for those keywords. And I'd use that money. I just stay up late at night, just typing in all the words that I could think of and looking at dictionaries. And I, I'd put more words in and try to get these money words and use the money to spend for new costumes for my ping pal character. Um, so silly of me. I know. <laughs> um, but I got a lot of experience with that. Um, I kind of improved my vocabulary and kind of grew there. Like, you know, DDR built up my 
my physical strength and, and endurance and then uh, my mental strength and endurance or my at least with words was this ping pals game it's so weird how like the education behind video games kind of played into my life in some ways too um, <laughs> um i as far as education goes um during these days i was always going to a uh, christian school um i went to a baptist temple uh up through sixth grade uh first or yeah, first grade through sixth grade, and then I switched over to Baptist Academy. Uh, my Baptist Temple was closing down, so I jumped over seventh grade to uh, Baptist Academy, where we had Game Crazy, and uh, finished out. Uh, you know, graduated from there. Um, you know, so I had a lot of like religious background, um, and uh, I love God, and and uh, you know, I'm I'm a believer in in Jesus Christ that He saved me, um, and I feel like it's kind of taken for granted for me, honestly, because I've had it my whole life, but, um, I was not always strong in, in my faith, uh, and there was a time where I had a dark spot, um, but that was in my college years, so we'll cover that a little bit when we get closer. Um, back to the video games. Uh, during this time, I did pick up a, uh, PlayStation Portable. I was convinced that if I got a PlayStation Portable, uh, down the line, I'd eventually be able to play Final Fantasy VIII on the go. And that was my big dream. Like, I wasn't going to hack my system, but I wanted to play Final Fantasy VIII on the go. I was determined to do it. Um, I bought a lot of UMD videos. I had uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Uh, I played that a little too much. Um, <laughs> um, also, I uh, I enjoyed uh, some of like the scarier stuff, like Dark Water. I know it's not super scary but like psychological horror stuff um but i had these little umd movies that i'd watch all the time i had sky high on there and um i'd have my music loaded on there mp3s loaded on there i had some silly like tracks um just you know like almost like middle school high school stuff um i was such a kid uh, but i enjoyed all of that that media machine that that psp was um i moved further from the psp though um ds Lite came out um, I played a little bit, a lot more DS at that point, and uh, got got really into Nintendo. And PSP was just kind of a hold me over cool device that I could own. Um, but uh, then um, after the DS Lite in uh, 2007, I picked up uh, the Wii at midnight launch. Um, I got that one from uh, GameStop. I think Game Crazy had closed uh, shortly before this, or it was getting ready to. Um, and I had my pre-order set for the the Wii over there at that GameStop, and that's when I started making that GameStop my home. It was fairly, fairly close to um, to that uh, Game Crazy, um, but that's kind of what I had to settle with, and I got the uh, the Wii countdown clock. Uh, that's something I put my name on before the, the Wii was even launched, and uh, that night I got to take home a brand new Wii and the countdown clock as well. Uh, I think I still have that sitting around here somewhere in my house, but <laughs> uh, good memories. Um, then I got, in uh, 2008, I picked up the DSi and uh, got to experience Nintendo's first online experience. Uh, that was pretty cool. I played a, a few indie-developed games that were on their quote-unquote eShop, uh, their first attempt at that. And uh, it was a media machine, so you could like take pictures and edit them and put like d through different filters. And you could also put audio through different filters, speed up, slow down, and, and kind of mess with the audio for music tracks that you put in. Um, it was it was kind of like the PSP, um, but a little bit more versatile in how you could edit music and, and mess with things. And that kind of was what kind of influenced me to want to go to a music school, uh, oddly enough. Uh, I, I found out that I liked editing the audio and messing with it and making it sound different. And I was like, I bet you I can do that 
you know, I was heavy into singing. I bet you I can do that. Um, I can go to school for this. And so I went off to college, um, 2009. I uh, took a journey to uh, to Memphis, Tennessee. I went to Visible Music College there. Um, at the time, it was just called Visible Music School. Um, and uh, there was a week program right before uh, that was called, or right before I went to this college that had kind of intensive training called VMI. And that's where I met my wife um, and uh, Nisa at the time. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, just getting to know um, my wife and then also uh, getting to learn music and just be into that that environment, being around people that loved singing, playing mu- instruments. Um, I felt at home here. And uh, I went for a year um, at Visible Music College. Um, and I also, uh, during this time, I, I got uh, my then girlfriend a... Uh, Animal Crossing, uh, Wild World, and a DSi, and uh, sent that as a, I think it was a birthday present, I want to say, and uh, sent that, and it was really cool to have um, have us be able to play Animal Crossing Wild World together. Um, they had the online feature uh, available during that time for the DSi. Um, they were really kind of a big a big time in our lives of dating kind of visiting each other's towns uh, when we met up and uh, we connected a lot over animal crossing um it definitely brought us closer together um during this college time i also picked up um an xbox 360 with my tax check in 2010 and played a lot a lot of castle crashers and call of duty modern warfare 2 I got the system for Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. I wanted to try it. It looked really cool. I've always wanted to see what modern combat was like uh, with new guns and futuristic tech, and that was really cool. I liked that idea. So um, I was kind of a 360 person for a little bit, but I still stuck with my Nintendo quite a bit. We played our share of Wii Sports, let me tell you. (laughs) Um, Late 2010, after I had left college, I got an Xbox Connect um, and played that on my 360. Um, Played that with friends that had a returned to the college house that I was living in um, before I left for Memphis. I went back to that that place, and uh, I got to play uh, a lot of just Xbox games. Um, it was fun playing with, going, hanging out with friends and playing GameCube, but I was ready for something new for Nintendo. And uh, so Nintendo came along with the uh, 3DS, and I was all over that. I bought two of them in 2011 on launch day. Uh, one for me and uh, one for my fiance, I believe, at the time. Uh, yeah, yeah, fiance, not wife yet. And uh, that was really cool to have that simultaneously. We both had the early adopter uh, ambassador program <laughs> for those people who jumped on it at launch. And, you know, they didn't have a lot to offer at first on the 3DS, but they uh, they rewarded us with uh, Game Boy Advance games. And about this time, Animal Crossing had come out for the 3DS, and so me and my wife played a lot together. We would go on dates on the island and uh, share each other's towns, and just we got heavily into this game, and um, it was kind of an intimate time for us through a video game, no less. Um, it was it was very, very rewarding, and like Nintendo throughout the years has never ceased to keep like pushing me to learn, to grow. Um, to experience new things in video game settings. And I'm really, really happy with how all of that turned out um, as far as Animal Crossing and everything. Um, I do need to take a moment and clear up some confusion about me referencing my wife and an apparent name change midway through the show history. Um, 
my wife uh, came out as trans a couple years back and uh, identifies as male and goes by Draco. Um, so if you were kind of confused by the name change, um, that's kind of uh, what that was, um, why I'd been a little weird about pronouns, um, saying they and them instead of uh, like he, him, uh, just because I hadn't been uh, open about it with people. Uh, so I just wanted to go forward with this, let you guys know that. Um, didn't exactly come as a shock for me. Um, my wife has always been presenting masculine punk um, when I met him, and even in video games like Animal Crossing, he'd always pick the boy model. Um, he, for the longest time, identified as gender fluid anyway. Um, it was, however, an unexpected journey for myself when I started self-examining my own sexuality, my faith, and what is what the transition meant to me. Um, it was kind of a shock uh, to, to know that I'd struggle with this. Um, it's it's kind of obvious now looking back, but, um, you know, I've, I kind of examined this and went through this and decided, you know, I really, really love my spouse and that doesn't change anything. Um, we, we still love each other and I'm still like good with God and close with him and, and keeping on my journey there. So like, you know, nothing's really changed, um, other than just uh, identifying and, and, and gender and, and things like that. And that's cool. I'm completely supportive. And I'm really happy to uh, go forward here, um, kind of be uh, kind of out in the open for everybody on my show. Uh, so you're not confused by when I say Draco instead of uh, Nisa or anything like that. Like it's it's all uh, it's all been uh, said now. So it's out in the open. I do still refer to Draco as my wife for religious reasons, but husband is also accurate um, if you wanted to refer to him as that. Before I close out the show, I just wanted to uh, talk about the future of my nostalgia. Uh, of course, the Wii U came out, and it's still too fresh to be really a nostalgic system for me, though there are some notes of it, and uh, of course, the going on into the Switch and uh, becoming the merging of the hybrid, you know, portable consoles and and uh, home consoles, and I've had peppered throughout my life. It's it's awesome to have a system that has everything together uh, with the Switch, um, but who knows what Nintendo has coming uh, to the future, but I'm glad I could spend this time and give you guys a spotlight on me. Um, it's uh, kind of a shorter episode, and I uh, didn't have a whole lot to, to share with you. A lot of this stuff has come out in the episodes, on the different episodes that we did for, uh, you know, different video games and such um, but I wanted to give you kind of an overarching view um, and then of course you'll hear a lot more nostalgia from me in the future all right that brings us to the end of the episode thank you so much for listening uh, you can find the show at uh, the nintendo village.com slash nintendo nostalgia on apple podcasts and google podcasts and youtube uh, you can find us on facebook at nintendo nos on our twitter at nintendo underscore nos you can find us on our Instagram at NintendoNOSIN. Shoot us an email at NintendoNostalgiaIN at gmail.com. Guys, that brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next week. Later, Preston.